You're listening to Behind the Viewfinder podcast, where you can relate as client or as service-based entrepreneur. Listen in on behind the scenes of client projects, the latest image capturing trends, and recommendations for your photo or video needs. Here's your host, Andy Coles. Hey, welcome to another episode of Behind the Viewfinder podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, thanks for dropping by. This is where we talk about photo and video capturing things related. We also discuss topics about what a client might be curious or interested in when it comes to image capturing services. So grab a great popsicle and get comfy because we're getting this podcast started. Happy National Grape Popsicle Day, everybody. I I can't remember the last time I ate a grape popsicle. Pop, I can't even say it. Popsicle. Grape popsicle. <laughs> I tend to be more of a watermelon popsicle guy. If there's not watermelon, I would say the runner-up is usually cherry um, and then pineapple. Usually my go-to. Big sticks are amazing because it's cherry and pineapple. Hey, you. Uh, that's pretty good. But uh, yeah, grape. I can't say that that's a favorite of mine. Are there any people out there that that's their, your go-to popsicle when it comes to getting a popsicle? Anyhow, uh, thanks again for um, my little dismissal last week. I'm going to come clean with you right now about that because it was twofold. One, yes, I was really kind of like switching gears for a minute because uh, I sh- did that shoot within energy. So I was trying to get everything prepped and set out so that they're closing out that account. And then on top of which, I had a wedding that weekend and um so i was kind of just prepping for that getting all the last minute details and such so i was busy busy workload very much so i'm still busy but also there is a more of an underlying reason why it was exactly like not exactly but it was under two minutes and that's because i entered a contest it is the road mic um company and they're basically giving away uh, a setup Uh, That would be nice to have Uh, if you guys saw my setup You would probably laugh you would probably think wow That's all he's really recording with because usually for those who do see it They're just they think I have something grand and big microphones everywhere headphones and boom stands and, and all that and really it's not it's a little handy pocket recorder like you could almost use this You know in a classroom to record your lectures or something um it is, although it is a task cam, so it's also meant for, you know, recording like studio stuff, not studio stuff, but like, you know, if you're with your band or whatever, you need to do some jam sessions, whatever, it is um, worthy of that, but it would be really nice to get a legit setup. Eventually, I would like to get something like that, but that's not high on the priority list because again, well, this podcast is more or less a... Uh, therapeutic session where I get to talk out loud, talk to myself. No, I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking to you guys, what I'm talking about. So thank you. Thank you all for listening to me and sometimes my therapy sessions of my little venting. I don't think I vent a whole lot on here. I think there's been a handful of times, so I think we're okay. But uh, yeah, so I entered this podcast uh, contest and uh, honestly, that's the only one I'm going to do. Uh, in terms of like for this contest, unless there's others that come up and I don't win this one. So go out there and vote for me. Um, and um, Yeah, two minutes was the, the cutoff. How do you do two minutes? One to two minutes. 
And there was like these stipulations where you also had to make sure you had all like, you know, some like zingers and sound effects and music. And so that's why the two minutes was a very much of a hodgepodge of stuff that you normally hear through a normal podcast episode. And um, yeah, so hopefully that didn't deter you to coming back this week because this time we're talking about real stuff and we're going to get into it right now. I did mention that I'm going to give you five tips. Really, it's kind of like six, but it's five tips that most pros are not telling people when it comes to starting out to get your business running or to get you to the next level to start your image capturing services journey, your chapter number one, right? What are the most common things that these people are telling you on YouTube or other podcasts? A lot of times they're telling you, you know, you want to make sure that you get um, composition down. Yeah, that's that's kind of important. I will say, though, that for a lot of us, a lot of us are drawn to photography because we naturally have that eye. We already have a vision in terms of perspective and composition. So really, I would scratch that one off the board, right? Uh, what's another one they say? You know, the other one too is like exposure. Yeah, true. You know, exposure is, uh, it's kind of an essential thing in some sense. A lot of people do talk about um, using your histogram, be in the center. That's where you want to live. And that may be true to some point, but that really doesn't kind of set you apart. That's just more or less kind of, I would say, more of a very natural um photos like you're just going to go to a birthday party and you want to just take pictures of friends and family so that's going to get you by and that'll work we will talk about exposure a little bit later but um another top a typical thing that they'll tell you about in terms of um you know getting started out and everything is that you want to make sure that you know you get something that's uh works really well that you know has high dynamic range that you know can focus awesome or whatever like that so yeah that's fine and dandy again uh, they'll tell you about getting the right gear. I'm going to talk about gear too a little bit, but it's not going to be as expensive as you think, right? So um, there are a slew of other things that they usually tell you, but they're not talking about the stuff, the meat and potatoes that really sets you apart from those people who are beginners that jump in from beginners to like intermediate. And that's where I'm going to tell you, because this to me, to this is important and it doesn't get talked about a whole lot. And usually what happens is those who are hungry for it, they eventually come across this information because they just want to know more about it or they come across like, what is that? Why is that? And then they start to do their research, right? So I'm going to tell you right now. And if you know somebody who is starting out in photography, send this podcast to them and this will help them immensely. All right. So the first one we're talking about, is this one is super, super essential. I can remember as a, as a novice that I always shot in auto white balance. <gasps> Big collective gasp. All the people, you know, muttering underneath their breath. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, very true. And, you know, I think a lot of us do. You know, I don't think a lot of us start out in auto white balance, which is, is, you know, for the most part, it's a safe place to live, which is totally fine. 
Um, sometimes we do get a little more uh, risque and we change the, the color balance. We may use shade or indoor or nighttime or outdoor. And that's all fine and that's cool and everything, especially if you want to get into that kind of like real, you know, Instagram trendy type of like color tone placement and stuff with, um, you know, editing. But here's something that's very interesting that it doesn't cost a whole lot. And there's two methods that you can do. But I'm talking about the first one that's usually the most common one. And this one is do by or achieved by getting a gray card. Now, a gray card, it can be a foldable collapsible one. They have some, I have actually, it's basically, it's like on a, what are those things called? Not a key ring, but you know, like those little like labs that were like people used to wear in their like belt loop and it has like that really long like material type thing. Anyhow, it attached to it has three cards. Usually one is um, closer to a kind of a softer gray, almost a white, an off white. Then you have your gray and then a black card. And this helps you establish your shot. So if you have somebody that's there, usually have this hold them next to their face or hold it under their chin. And then you can do one of two things when you're using this gray card. One is if your camera has the ability to custom set um, and basically select a color in your menu mode when it comes to fixing your white balance, use that. You know, select the dot, whatever it is, and then select the image or select the card that's in place. And then boom, you're set to go, right? And also, where the wise, kind of jumping off topic here a little bit, when you're using these gray cards, you only have to use it once unless you change scenery, right? Because now you're introducing different elements, different colors that are bouncing off. So whether if you're near grass or buildings or cityscape or buses, whatever, if you change scenery, use your green gray card again, okay? And you can fix that in your camera so that when you do post editing, you're all set to go. Now, let's say that your camera doesn't have the ability to uh, do a custom set by selecting the color uh, with pointing the camera at the gray card. Still, you can take the picture and make sure to use you know the gray cards that they're in focus and use that as your neutral base. And so in post, usually a lot of um, uh, post software have like an eyedropper tool or something like that where you can sample what you want to make as your reference. Now, a lot of times, a lot of us think that using white balance, we want to use white. We want thinking white is neutral. Not really, because in in the um, like palette of things, when you have light going through colors, or when you dissect it through, actually through like a, um, what's that called? I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm totally stumbling over my words today. Oh my gosh. Um, a little like sphere, right? Uh, um, you, if you have it go through a prism, to us light, we see it as it is, but when it bends to the prism, it's a whole like gamut of colors. And that's really what white is. It's just like light blasted with tons and tons of color. So using a gray card will be our neutral base. Now, I mentioned there's another way that you can do this. So if you, let's say that you don't have a gray card, you have not acquired one yet. And mind you, I'm gonna tell you that gray cards are pretty inexpensive. You can get some that are $7, you can get some that are $3, you can get some that are 
a lot more. It just depends on your usage and how you know cumbersome you want it to be or big or or convenient and just you know slide in the back of your pocket or around around your neck. Okay, or if you want to have it hanging from your belt loop <laughs> with your Lexus keys and your Lexus little whatever that thing was called. Um, I'm gonna have to look that up later. It's really bugging me. Anyways, so let's say that your clients wear clothes or maybe you're next to a building or a location that something that has black. Black works really well, okay? And usually when you use that dropper tool, eyedropper tool or sampler in post edit, you can use that as your neutral base. Now, if that doesn't work, again, look for something gray like cement or look for maybe in their clothing. Sometimes you can get away with that. If not, the other thing that you can do is take a close up photo of their face and then in when you go into post, get the whites of their eye as their sampler. That usually works. Now, that's a different white than let's say the white of a t-shirt or white of, um, you know, like a whiteboard. So typically when you do, when you're basically setting your color balance, it'll come out a little more natural when you're using the whites of their eyes. So when you're using this white balance adjustment, it helps bring in the colors of the way things should really be. Now, this is where Canon excels. I will say Canon has very awesome color science. Everything looks great. And in addition to the skin tones, their skin colors look very nice. They look, they look natural. What's up, everybody? I'm breaking up this podcast real quick to say I need your help to keep this podcast going. If you're digging this episode, make sure to rate it five stars. Give it an applause or give it a like. If you think this podcast is weak, give me a rating nonetheless. Lastly, write a short or long review and share this episode with someone you think that would benefit from this or share it with an enemy to waste their time. All right, back to this episode. You're you're listening to Behind the Viewfinder Podcast. Right. Nikon has good, vibrant colors. Although I will say from my personal experience, the color tones and the skins tend to be a little too rich for my taste. That's just me. Now, Sony, Sony has this thing going on. It's either too green or too magenta. Sony, you need to get with the program. (laughs) But again, if you're using these gray card methods, uh, you really don't have to worry about what your settings are or what brand of camera you're using because again, you're helping find the neutral tone by introducing a gray card or using something creative in post like their outfit or in background or their whites of their eyes. I wanted to say whites of their eyes again. Anyhow, next. Now I talked about exposure a little bit and hold on. I had to get up. My legs are falling asleep. I was sitting on a bar stool and it's not happening today. So I do a lot of sitting. Let's stand. The next one is exposure. Now, if you are the type who shoot using your histogram, kudos to you. Well done. If you don't know what that is, go into your menu and usually it's in your basic functions settings somewhere and you want to activate the histogram. The histogram tells you basically where those RGB color levels are falling, whether you're too hot and that'll be showing you that the metering or the graph 
is extremely to the right, or if you're underexposed and then everything's kind of crunched over to the left. The rule of thumb generally is to have everything kind of sandwiched in the middle. You want to have a good range. And like I mentioned earlier, that's fine if you want very natural colors. Now, if you want to be able to play around a little bit with lifting your blacks or crushing your whites and your highlights, the best rule of thumb is to expose to the left. And that would be the shadow side, right? So usually, typically, you want to be maybe close to a quarter or a half a stop underexposed. I know some people like to do a whole stop underexposed. Uh, typically to me, I don't like that because then you kind of lose out on the effect where, I mean, you can do this too, but anyways, where you show your customers and you show them back the camera, they're like, this guy doesn't know how to take pictures. It's all dark. <laughs> so what you can do to avoid that is you can kind of change your settings for the moment, take it in the middle level and then show them and I'm like, oh, yay, great. This is amazing. And then you can change it back. So this way you can go back to shooting how you want. Um, so with exposing to the left, otherwise known as ETTL, exposing to the left, right? And not right, but like right, like verdad, true that, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, <laughs> um, with exposing to the left, it's a far easier for you to bring up the darks without losing integrity of the photo or introducing noise into your photo or grain, noise or grain, same thing. Now, if you shot on the other end of the spectrum, it's hard to recover the data of stuff that is blown out. If you've shot stuff and it's really hot, you can't preserve the details of skin, texture, um, sometimes maybe sand does that or cement or windows or glass, and it's really hard to retain that information. But if you're underexposed, it's a whole different story. So by playing it safe and exposing to the left, when you post edit, it'll make your images look a lot nicer. Plus it gives you a lot more range to work with when it comes to exposing your photos, okay? Secondly, and this is a two-parter, okay? Part one is you wanna make sure that you're always formatting your card before a shoot. If you go out and you're shooting a new assignment or a new client, Make sure to format your card, but before that, make sure to dump off your information from the last one onto your backup so you have that. Uh, format your card, what does this do? Well, this takes out and removes data from your SD card. Let's say that naturally you, you've already dumped off your information on your camera of your, or your, your camera code, camera SD card into your computer and you have all your photos, your RAWs there or your JPEGs and you throw the SD card or CFast card back into your, um, your camera and you start deleting it from the camera there your SD card will still retain that information but it won't be shown now here's the problem right one first problem is now you've run into the fact that you've lessened the amount of space that you can write onto that card you don't want to do that right you always want the most amount of space possible the next part is if you also do that you also run the risk of your card corrupting in the middle of your shoot. Or when you go home to export that information, you might run into this same problem. It might corrupt and crash while you're uploading your photos. Now, here's another thing. Let's say that you are formatting your cards, but you're saying, well, that didn't work because last time I uploaded my 200, 300 photos and 
it crashed. It didn't happen. Well, I would ask you to look at your read and write speed of your card. Make sure it is the right class for you to be, number one, writing from your camera to the card, and then secondly, that your computer can handle that speed. What may be the remedies for this? Well, if your cam or your computer can't handle it, uh, because maybe let's say that the read write speed is maybe too fast or too slow, you can always get an SD card reader or a CFast card reader that will basically interpret that information and then convert it to like a USB 2.0 or whatever it is that you're running so that it transfers better, okay? The other part is if it is slow, and again, your camera is not, it's, it's like getting overloaded with too much information, that's again an indication that your card is not writing or reading correctly. If you want more information on that and how that all works out, visit the uh, show I had with Camber. This is a while back. Um, it's a great one, very informative. He talks about all the information on a card and all those little sticker and symbols. It was very great. I need to chat with him again, bring him on here. I'm sure he'd be delighted. Anyhow, so make sure that you're formatting the right card, but also make sure that you're getting the right card that's also appropriate for your camera, okay? Um, sometimes even getting the fastest card doesn't mean that's mostly efficient because maybe your card can't write that fast or a camera can't write that fast. Next, invest in a lens, not a camera body. A lot of us get fixated. We wanna get the next camera. It's got all these phase detection points and yada, yada, yada. Which is, yes, I will say, and I will admit that phase detection is great. It is phenomenal, edge to edge. If the more you can get, the better. However, most times or not, we don't shoot too much in that in those um, respects of like the edge to edge corners. A lot of times we don't, and nothing that cropping in post, you know, can't fix. But if you're shooting with a, a kit lens, I guarantee you that the minute that you jump to a faster lens, that's something like an aperture of 1.5 or, uh, I'm sorry, 1.8 or 2.0 or 2.8, you will see the difference night and day. Literally, it is like night and day. It's underexposed to like chorus of angels because guess what? You just opened up a new avenue there are people that I know that I was like, I fooled them by just changing glass and I was shooting on a crop censored camera and they were like, whoa, that's so amazing. Oh my gosh. And yeah, changing a lens is a game changer big time. Now uh, I know that glass can be expensive. Very true. Uh, that's why they do recommend. Usually they say the uh, fantastic plastic, the nifty 50, uh, millimeter usually 1.8 is usually a good route to go um, it is a fast lens it does do the job uh, it's also great for portraits uh, full body portraits headshots um, you know and especially coming from not having a you know lens that's a like better lens than a kit lens you're going to tell a difference and for those of you who've already been you know messing with other lenses yeah it might be a little different hunting might be a little problematic but I'm telling you, it is a game changer. It will make your camera like it'll like you ever played Super Mario Brothers and you get the star and you just run through everybody. That's what it's like. If you get that star and you not sorry, if you get that lens and you put it on your camera, it's like your star. You get that star power. You blast through everything. It looks amazing. I'm telling you. So yeah, look up in the 50 millimeter. Um, also, sometimes too that you can find a 35 millimeter. And 
you know, for those of you who maybe, you know, this is your first camera or your second camera, but you really haven't graduated yet to full frame, but you eventually probably do, you know that for sure. There's nothing wrong with buying used glass. As long as it's, you know, in working condition, buy used glass because then chances are you're probably not gonna be able to use that lens when you convert over anyway. So buy something used. I've done it, it and I, it works amazing. I have no regrets. All right. And lastly, this one's huge too. Clean your equipment. Clean your equipment. And I don't just mean the outside. Clean the inner workings of your camera. Clean your sensor. I can't tell you how many times that I've seen pictures where I can see artifacts and like little dots or shadows in people's pictures and then <laughs> it's all I can see. And it's the worst when it's your photos and you're like, what is that? What is that a fly? Is that like, is that a bird in the air? What is that? Is that a freckle on their face, but now it's on their forehead? No, clean your sensor and learn to clean your stuff correctly. You know, make sure that you have the camera upside down or not upside down. Well, I don't know, like the sensor facing the floor, basically. Make sure to use an approved uh, kit that's usually made for cleaning your camera. Make sure to set the mode onto cleaning mode so that you don't mess anything up. Blow the air. Don't ever, don't ever use an air compressor, can, whatever, to blow dust out because you can actually blow dust and stuff and artifacts into crevices or working parts that it shouldn't be where it doesn't belong so make sure to stick away from that even though it sounds like way more efficient you need to get one of those like little puffer things the ones that look like you're sucking the boogers out of like a baby's nose that's the one you want to get yeah anyhow Get that get some approved brushes um, and then yeah do that to your, your lenses in like the front and back make sure to clean the contact areas make sure to clean the contact points and by doing this it will not only it'll help you get more in tune with your gear but I guarantee you you're, you'll start noticing that your camera works a lot better especially if your contact points are a little dirty or have maybe some residual oil or maybe for some reason you went somewhere and it was a little dusty and it, it's now sitting on the, the mount where the um, lens and the body meets. I'm telling you, cleaning your gear makes a difference. Plus, you know, it just makes you seem a little more, a little more, uh, a little more pro when you're cleaning your stuff, right? So make sure you're using these tips, you guys. Again, shoot with a grid card, expose to the left, format your cards, get the right writing speed and write, read and write speeds. Invest in some glass. Some good glass is definitely a game changer and clean your equipment. I guarantee you, you guys, you start using these methods and you pass this along to people who are just starting out, they will get like 25 like XP points on their meter and they'll probably level up to like level five on beginner mode or something like that and unlock super stardom fame. I don't know. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. That's it for me, you guys. And actually, next week, I want to talk about setting yourself up for success in the terms of event photography. And we're going to hone it in on actually on events specifically like a wedding, how to make or how to shoot and what to expect when shooting a wedding and how to successfully prepare. All right, you guys, that's it for me. You know what happens next. I'll catch you on the flip side. Be sure to check out next week's episode. Until then, happy clicking.